is Zeke Booyam like actually the best defenseman in the draft? Tony Ferrari thinks so. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, uh, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Probably part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day, even when they don't play for like a week straight for some reason. Again, seriously, guys. But uh, if you want to be an everyday, all you have to do is just follow wherever you get podcasts, or you can watch on YouTube as well. And our bald king, Tony Ferrari, joins where we talk about uh, Z. Boogum, the University of Defense, uh, Denver defenseman. And Tony thinks this this is this is the guy in, in the defensive class. Uh, he thinks this is Z. Boogum could be the player that we're all looking back and going, How, why did he fall? How did he fall? He has a very, very intriguing name that he kind of draws a parallel to. So um, without further ado, let's get to our good friend, Tony Ferrari. And now we are joined by our good friend, Tony Ferrari, our ball king. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Uh, we we had a little debate of where Zeev Williams' height would land, but apparently it's a little bit all over the place. Uh, hopefully this podcast is a little bit more reined in and controlled. Uh, I mean, if it's on the internet, it has to be true. Uh, if you don't know anything about Z Bulliam, let's get you get caught up here. So Z Bulliam, defenseman, playing at the University of Denver, uh, Denver, excuse me, uh, anywhere between six foot and six foot two, depending on where you go. 180 pounds, 28 games this season has uh, eight goals, 29 assists with 44 shots on goal. And Tony, I ask you, as I ask, the start of every podcast what makes z williams such an intriguing prospect for me it's the fact that he's easily easily the most well-rounded defenseman in this draft class um you have guys like archim levshinov who attack the net like a fourth forward and put up a ton of points you have guys like sam dickinson who are raw tools toolkits who have some defensive upside um and you have our uh Anton Siliev, who's just this massive, giant, six foot seven, He's very man, tall, um, being very tall. But with Zeb William, you have a guy that's anywhere between six foot and six two, and plays a really smart defensive game. Uh, isn't going to lead the way with physicality, but he can get physical when need be. And then just his understanding of how to play hockey at an advanced level, seeing the ice really well. Um, making excellent plays with the puck. He, he's just such a smart defensive player, um, both with and without the puck. So I, I think the thing with him is you look at everyone in this draft class, right basically down from the top end, um, both that forward and defense, and it's a lot of this guy's really good, but there's this. With Z. Mm-hmm. William, you don't really have a but there's this, aside from the fact that maybe you want your defenseman to be a bit, bit taller or more physical. For the most part, this guy plays the game like the prototypical modern-day defender with a flair of offensive upside as well, setting record-setting pace uh, right now in the NCAA as a defenseman scoring. 
So, I mean, why then, like, you know, I know Bob's word isn't the Bible, but, you know, it's like, why is he so much lower than the other guys? Uh, you know, Bob has him uh, at, at 13, I think, right now, uh, among all the, you know, like, just you, you see guys like Lefchnov and, and some of these other guys who are ranked higher, but seem to have more, I don't want to say fatal flaws, but they just seem to have more issues with this game. Is it maybe his upside if he doesn't hit that up, 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 upside? It's not quite as high as some of these other guys, but you're getting a, maybe a, a much safer floor. I, I think it's a little bit of that. And I think something I, I was talking to somebody recently about is when you look at the top NHL defensemen in today's game, everyone goes automatically to Kale McCarr. Everyone goes to Quinn Hughes. Um, you make mm-hmm. your way around the league of Victor Hedmond. Um, Adam Fox is right up there, but he doesn't get talked about quite as much at least not in terms of being the best defenseman in the NHL. And it's because he plays a bit of a quieter game. And I think that's the case with uh, Zeb William as well. He plays a quieter game in terms of what my thing that I've, I've loved about him all year is whenever things start to get a little hectic, he's the one that calms things down, corrals the puck, has the patience, the, the deception to kind of wait out the four checker, evade traffic, and just allow everyone to breathe on the ice. That's something that Adam Fox does really well. And I'm not saying Zeb Williams is going to be Adam Fox because, like I said, I think Adam Fox is one of the top top defensemen in the NHL. But he plays that style of game. So it's not as flashy. It's not as fun. Um, you don't have a, him charging the net and scoring some crazy goal. Um, the things that a guy like an Artyom Levshinov specifically who gets compared a lot because they do both play NCAA hockey is Levshinov is a wild man. He is your cowboy defenseman. <laughs> He'll go and he'll try to score a goal from three feet out and then be the fifth guy back defensively. Zeb William plays a much more controlled game. So I think the fact that there isn't as much pop, good or bad, I yep. think that's kind of where you get the the hesitance to rank them all that highly. And the fact that uh, despite the University of Denver and Team USA listing him at 6'2", <laughs> Elite Prospects has him at six foot, And even, even that was questioned a little bit coming into the year, I think. Uh, he was a guy that was a little bit smaller going into college. If he has grown to six foot, I don't really see what the real real issue is. And if he's at six foot, foot two, I, I think this kid's uh, a stud. So what do you think is, as he kind of continues and becomes a professional, what do you think is going to be his calling card uh, kind of trait going forward? I think transition in, in that calming element that I, I mentioned. I think he's a very good transition defender, uh, both as a passer and a skater. He understands uh, when to do each. I think there are a lot of times defensemen go in and they they have that mindset of, oh, I'm going to skate this puck up the ice. They get stripped and yep. they don't know what to do in that moment. Or another t- style of defenseman is a guy that will just bomb passes up ice all day and, and they end up throwing pucks into traffic and get pucks intercepted. William kind of understands when and when and where to make each play. I think that's the mm-hmm. thing I really like about him. And then, like I said, that calming presence, uh, he'll go back. There'll be two four checkers and he comes out perfectly fine with the puck and has the vision up ice already ready to make the next play. So I think those are the two things. And then if he can translate some of this offensive ability, the, the, the really nice pinpoint seam passes, the uh, North South passes, he has, uh, something I call pulsating ability at the blue line where he's going to creep in, but then he retracts and he creeps in a little bit more and then he retracts again, just kind of changing the angle on, on passing lanes and shooting lanes, giving himself and his teammates a little bit more to work with, but he's never really going to be that guy that, like I said, ends up at the net and banking it in on the back door yep. with any consistent basis. So I think 
he plays a really well all around game, but transition and that calming ability are the two things that, that really attract me to his game. And then of course, uh, what do you think as he continues his development for however long we'll talk about how long you think he'll be at university of Denver? Uh, what do you think is the kind of that focus that he needs to really kind of work on as he, uh, continues to grow to make him kind of that, that top notch defender, uh, becoming six, two, like these listed would be awesome. Uh, he's that do the bar thing get... where he's got like the stripes and he's got yeah. the spiky <laughs> hair and yeah, the, the chihuahua. Yeah, he's gonna, <laughs> yeah. His next, uh, at central scouting, he, they're going to come in. They're going to be like, pat your hair down. He's like, no, no, this is just my height. This is just, a, this is just my height guys. Uh, just trust but, me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But no, like this kid's the reality is it's just get bigger, faster, stronger. I think that's what I love about the NCAA route is you have time to get bigger and faster, especially in the weight room and the gym. You're able to work on those things because you're not playing as many games every week. You're still going to school and you have time away from the rink. And, and as much as I think we all need to work on the game on the ice, working on the game off the ice, especially for these young kids who aren't physically mature yet, is such a big deal. And I think the NCAA route gives guys like Z Bouillon time to do that. And then if he does get bigger, if he does get faster, he's get a little stronger. He, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. All right, we'll talk more about the CHL versus the NHL here, or NCAA here in a little bit. But um, all right, before we continue with our good friend Tony, uh, where we discuss uh, kind of Williams' development, when we think he's going to be in the NHL, if he'd be a good partner for Shakir Mukhamadoulin, um, we'll get to all that here in just one second. Grocery bills are so expensive these days, but now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every time you shop. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So you can buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game that you've been dying to go to, that fancy dinner that you've been craving. Uh, right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just to try out Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONNHL when you register. Just go to the Apple uh, App Store, Google Play Store, and download the free Ibotta app and start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONNHL. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKEDONNHL. So, I mean, you, he's at University of Denver, right? Um, what type of timeline are we looking, you know, uh, you you see kind of the, the, now it's like usually kind of two years, especially for these top end guys. Is he a, especially because he's in school his first year, right? Uh, you know, kind of it's just D1 or D minus one year, excuse me. Are you expecting him going back to University of Denver next year and then probably turn pro after that? I think he's probably got two more university seasons in him. Um, this year coming up after like his D plus one year would be yep. nice to see him play there again. Um, and then honestly, let him play there one more year, especially if it's a team like the Sharks. You're not rushing guys into the NHL for any reason specifically. So if he wants that second year, let him go get bigger, faster, stronger, like I mentioned. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, we the Sharks do have Shakir Mukhamadoulin has been kind of very slowly, but looks like he's probably to kind of make his presence. And I think he's been kind of the Sharks have been very slow and with, with him. He's but he's it looks like he's probably to pay off for them. 
Uh, where would you know kind of compare their two games where Mukumadolan I know was a very, very raw toolsy prospect, um, but has started to kind of put things together. How would you kind of compare the two games? Uh, I think they'd make fun partners because I, I mm. think Mukumadolan does have that raw physical minds tool set and it would allow him to freelance and be a little bit more of a two-way guy. I, I'm curious as to where McMillan's game kind of ends up at the NHL level because I, I've always looked at him and go, what are you? You gigantic yeah. giraffe of a man. Um, and, and he really still hasn't answered that question. He's a little bit offensive, a little bit defensive. Um, he can make some passes in transition, but what are you? And I think Z Bulliam comes in and if he, if they were to play together, Z Bulliam yeah. plays a lot of roles. He can wear a lot of hats, whatever hat he needs to play on that pairing to allow Mukumadilan to be his best self. I, I think that's what ends up happening. And I think um, Z Bulliam's the driver on that, that pairing. I think Z Bulliam's the better player on that pairing. Um, and probably the top pr- defense prospect for the Sharks um, pretty easily. Uh, I think you have guys like Eklund, if you want to consider him a prospect or not still, uh, but certainly Will Smith up there. And Zeke Williams right near the top of that list. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, I mean, it's, you know, Eklund's kind of graduated. He's almost, uh, he's at 70 uh, games now. Uh, Will Smith, you have Quentin Musk, you are probably ranked at number two right now in the yeah. Sharks prospect pool, um, who I know you love, uh, Quentin Musty. Yes, he is. Uh, he looks really good this year. So really fun guy to watch. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about Quentin Musty at some time, you and I. But um, I think, though, like you probably and whoever the Sharks pick at, if they pick Celebrini, et cetera, uh, I, I think Bullion probably fits right there in that Musty kind of like right in that top tier with, with, with kind of their rebuild here. And if William is potentially a early teens type of pick, um, the Sharks have that Penguins pick, which is looking better and better every day. Like the Sharks could be walking away feeling really, really good about kind of where this rebuild is going if everything kind of lines up, right? Yeah, I think that's the big thing, right? You have that Penguins pick, which it's going to give you probably two picks in the top 15, maybe two picks in the top 10. Um, nah. and- so it's it's top 10 protected. So oh, if it's 11 it on, okay. it's oh yeah, 11 on. Um, it's this year. So, if it, so you have the if first it's top 10 this year, pick. next year, yeah, the next year it becomes uh unprotected first round oh, pick. But okay. I don't want to tempt the hockey fate, the hockey gods, and then like the penguins just go on a roll next year and destroy everybody. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm trying to cash in my lottery ticket now, I think. No, um, I, I I agree with you. I think you try to get that pick this year. Hope for that pick this year, obviously. Because you never know with the Penguins. Like as long yeah. as Crosby's there, they're going to try to win games, and they could just yeah. So you try I mean, to, who's you try to next, get it this year. Yeah, who's the aging superstar on the market this year that they're going to trade for? Um, that'll be <laughs> the Vetch thing. For them, Crosby, right? let's go. Oh, let's go, baby. <laughs> uh, trade Drake, Jay Gensel, and replace him with Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> No, but I, like you like you said, if they get like the first or second pick, uh, get the Celebrini, get the guy at the top of the draft, and then get uh, a guy like Z Bulliam at 11, 12, 13th overall, I, and then you walk away and you're pretty happy about that draft class because even though you probably get the number one and number four prospect in your pool, that top four of your prospect pool is going to be really, really strong. I think, like you said, Will Smith is a fantastic player. He's having a great year in the NCAA out in Boston. Uh, Quentin Musty, just 
so fun to watch in Sudbury this He's year. He's really, really <laughs> taking his game to the next level uh, where I wanted to see it. Um, and I always saw this from his game. Um, and then you had that top guy. You had that top defenseman maybe. Um, I, I don't see the Sharks coming out of this draft class without a defenseman. Uh, there's yeah, too many. There's too many at the end of the day, um, especially if they do go and get that top forward at the top. Then you go get that defenseman, and you, you're you walking away pretty happy about this rebuild, and you're in a great spot, I think, after that. Yeah, I mean, if we kind of talk some quick strategy, especially with, like, there's so many defensemen, and none of them are kind of, like, clear-cut guys in this, this you know, draft. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, I, this is my third defensive profile, and uh, a lot of these guys are just like, oh, yeah, he could be this, or he could do this. And um, there's not that one guy where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be a stud. And Booyam very safe floor uh if he gets a little bit bigger like etc you you could see him be that type of guy so if you're the sharks i think you get whoever the best forward if it's celebrini or if it's you know lindstrom if it's you know whoever uh you you want at that one two three um and then just see which defenseman falls to you yeah whatever that penguins pick and then if you want to double back up with your own pick which is going to be 33 34 35 uh, and then you got that devil's pick, which is probably going to be mid second round. Like you could seriously be walking away feeling really good about, um, where this prospect pool is heading here pretty, pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, I think try to grab a defenseman in the mid that, that penguins pick has to be a defenseman, right? Yeah. I, I look at it and I go, I don't think there's a number one defenseman in this draft class, but there's a lot of guys who could be really interesting. Number twos. Um, yeah, maybe next year's the year you get the number one, or maybe you have a number one by committee. Um, somewhere like is Morgan Riley number one defenseman? It's certainly up for debate, but he's played number one minutes for years in Toronto. Um, on a successful team, on the regular say, Mario Ferraro, baby, it, number it, one defenseman. <laughs> yeah, oh man, um, love the last name, <laughs> not the player so much recently. Um, but that's just it. Like, so you, you draft that number, you, you draft that defenseman high. Um, like you said, you double back down at the end of the or at the first start of the first second round, and you get a really good player there. Because I think, much like the defenseman, there's a lot of guys that could be that next next player in the draft. Could be the first overall defense, first pick defenseman in that second round. You're gonna have a lot of guys because it's a very mushy from like. 18 to 50 range i think this year in the draft and yep. you're gonna have a guy that falls to you that you're gonna fall in love with at the top of the second round and you're gonna be like how did player x fall to us like this guy's gonna this guy's gonna be the next quinton musty for the for our draw for our prospect pool and he very well could be so it, it, it's an interesting group in this year's draft class that's for sure because i know there's some people that say it's a, it's a bad draft but i think it's a really interesting draft because it's a lot of man, if this guy hits, he could be something really special or he'd be something really fun. But there's this one thing he needs to work on. Yep. And plus, the Sharks already have their number one defenseman, Luka Kagioni. So uh, yeah. that problem is solved. Dude. Uh, he's an absolute monster, too. Uh, if he was like six foot two, we would be talking about how Luka Kagioni oh. is like the second coming here. But um, all right, guys, before we continue with Tony, we actually talk about uh, an article he wrote about the CHL for this, the NCAA, and kind of this argument to be made of why CHL players should be allowed to go play in the NCAA and why a guy like Quentin Musty would be a prime target for one of the, for this type of development path. So we'll get to that here in just one second. 
We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is the matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches comparable to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. So join more than the 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of the show can get a $75 job sponsored credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed at this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We you we kind of touched on it earlier about talking about the kind of the CHL versus NCAA, and you wrote an article uh, recently for the Hockey News, kind of based off David Quinn's you know comments about the NCAA is better than the CHL. And uh, well, first, like kind of like let's start with the rumors and stuff. And uh, if you're kind of new to it, what's what's kind of the rumors right now, or the thing behind behind the scenes, right? Where they're trying to allow CHL kids to potentially have eligibility to play in the NCAA, right? Is that kind of what there's this all stemming from, right? Yeah, it's essentially what it stems from. I wrote about that on the Hockey News as well. It's essentially the coaches are set to vote at the end of the season mm-hmm. as to whether or not they, they think the NCAA should allow CHL players to fi- have eligibility into the NCAA without much of a plan as to what the rules and regulations around <laughs> that would be. Um but it would be a first step. Yeah, NCAA with the plan. Happen. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I know, NCAA. right? It's uh, <laughs> yes. classic hockey. Um, or just any no. NCAA sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, um, honestly. Um, yes. We all know how smoothly those NIL deals rolled out. So, um, But I think the NIL deals, since I brought it up, play a factor yeah. in that. I think the fact that they have players and athletes, mostly outside of hockey, um, yep. making money with endorsement deals, uh, name and likeness, name, image, and likeness deals that have allowed them to financially benefit. Now the argument that oh the CHL is a semi-professional league because guys have signed their their uh, NHL entry level contracts already while playing in that league, they're not playing in the NHL. They're playing in the nope. CHL. It's always been kind of a goofy reasoning for it, but at the end of the day, they're competing competing leagues. So I understood it to that to that extent. With that said, I think for at least the NCAA and the uh, CHL, I think it would be mutually beneficial. I think the CHL, assuming the the rules would end up being you can't go until you're 20, um, it limits the number of CHL guys that end up going, but it also yep. allows you to the CHL to keep their stars in the league until that time. A lot of the the best players are going to the NHL or um, playing in pro hockey anyways. So if they need that extra year, they go to the NCAA. And that's where they can kind of, like I said, work on that strength, work on that speed, work on getting bigger, faster, stronger before you take that step. You get that intermediary kind of step that you don't get with the AHL right now. I think that's the big problem for the CHL is it limits when guys can go into the AHL. And I think the NCAA would be a really interesting uh, middle ground for that. With that said, it yeah, affects... I mean- 
every other league around the world, junior A leagues, the BCHL, the USHL, um, various different things like that. It affects the NCAA and the fact that the guys at the bottom of the rosters might get kicked out of the team, might, may lose their spots to some of these CHLers coming in. So there's a lot to consider. Um, mm-hmm. The recent rumors and murmurs are that uh, the NCAA coaches are not as in favor as initially reported. So we'll have to see at the end of the season. It's something that probably gets talked about more than we even realize uh, and hasn't made its way into reality yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably are definitely kind of maybe making a, a you know a mountain out of a molehill type of thing, especially with like the yeah. star players. But you have to – I always feel like guys, you know, like, like look at a Shane Wright, you know, too good to play – in the OHL, right? And he got his exemption to play in the AHL. But like, you know, we mentioned Quentin Musty, who next year is probably going to be too good to be playing in the OHL. To be Like, it's going to be too easy for him. But again, like, he cannot play in the AHL because he won't be 20 yet, you know? Um, so is it, for something like this, would it be better for him to go play in the NCAA for a year or two where he can continue to kind of play against guys who are old, you know, much older, especially at the NCAA where, you know, you have guys who are 22, 23, 24, 26, I think is you, he found a guy who's 26. Uh, he just turned 27. 27. God bless him. Good for him. Uh, who's still playing in the NCAA. And it's like, you're, you're getting to kind of continue your development, just that next step in your development path. And, Yes, I know. Maybe you're taking scholarships away. Or maybe that's the thing. Maybe those guys just aren't eligible for scholarships. Uh, these guys have all, you know, if you signed your your ELC, whether or not you signed your ELC, but you've signed some sort of contract. Uh, and that way you're not taking away a scholarship from another kid type of thing. But, you know, I think there, there needs to be, because it does feel like after the CHL, there's such a, like, drop like it's such a tough sledding and you see that like even with sharks players who you know brandy Coe, who had an amazing final year as an overager and, and then just struggled to get on the ice his first year in the ahl and i think trying to find a pathway for those guys to continue their development right it makes a lot of sense for everybody involved yeah that's my thing is it's a perfect step towards the pro hockey game uh for the yeah. chl kids like you said a guy like quentin musty He's not going to have a whole lot to prove next year, aside from going back and just beating, beating the crap Crushing out of the records. OHL. Yeah, yeah. Just, so just, and at that point, is he going to be fully engaged all the, all year next year? Like that that game in early January, mid February, they're going to be harder to get up for next year when when he's like, I'm going to go out there, sleep my way through the game, and still end up with two points. So why yeah. why put put a full effort in, right? So. I think the NCAA would be a great kind of middle ground for that. And David Quinn's comments were pretty funny about it all. It was fun to look uh, into the comparison. Boston University people. guy, uh, former Boston University uh, I Boston University coach saying uh, it's the, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. I know yeah. that's but just yeah. it, right? It's the, the former university coach kind of going, oh, it's university's definitely better. And like I, like I tried to lay out in that article is, University is better in some aspects, and the CHL yep. is better in some aspects. They're different leagues. They're different levels. At the end of the day, you don't have more than a handful of 21-year-olds um, in the CHL, and those guys are guys that turn 21 during the season. Uh, in the NCAA, you have a guy who currently is older than the NHL's leading goal scorer in Austin Matthews um, playing right now. So it, it's kind of a, a goofy little like reality. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like one of my favorite stats for or one of my favorite like facts that I came up with in that article was there are as many players older than Austin Matthews as there are 17 year olds in the NCAA. And it's like, okay, like, cool, man. Like, that's so silly. But that's just kind of the reality of the NCAA. It's a bigger, faster, stronger league. Uh, It's more structured, and I think that's a great uh, aspect as well. You learn to play that defensive side of the puck because you're forced to play the defensive side of the game. Um, It's a less offensive, free-flowing league, and I think it'd be an awesome super pipeline if the NCAA and CHL could find a way to work together because – you go to the CHL, you develop all of your um, high-end skill, your playmaking, your risk, risk-taking ability, all of the yep. fun, flashy things that are required to play at a high pace in the NHL today. And then you go to the NCAA and learn to kind of rein it in, rein learn it. what you can and yep. can't do, and, and become a much more complete player coming out of college. And I think that's been one of the biggest things is we've seen so many college guys come out, and they just seem more structured and refined in the nhl even if they don't have that high level of skill that some of these chl guys have yeah uh you know you you kind of mentioned uh you know just the style play right the chl is i've you know watched fair about chl games i watch a lot of college games and you know unless you're watching a top team like you know like Boston College, who they have a thousand first round picks so they can play a much more free-flowing like they're able to kind of get away with that, you know, more fast pace because they have a thousand picks and a lot of guys who played a lot of time together, uh, you know, like the kid line there or the USA line, whatever you want to call it. But like, you know, if you're watching Bemidji State, um, like there's, you know, you're watching like it's very more kind of structured, a uh, slower pace. Um, and it's kind of like two teams tr- trying to kind of like get the edge there. And I think for these kids development, right. And you, you kind of touched on like how many times, like even like, Henry Threaten played four years in college, um, comes out, you know, he he looks like an NHL defenseman now. Like he, I know the Sharks are uh, not the best environment, but he looks like an NHL defenseman who could play for, for basically any team in the league. Um, And, you know, because he's had that experience playing these against, uh, you know, guys a little bit older here. So um, I think it'll be an interesting debate. You know, I think it, it would help solve that, like, well, what happens when my guy's too good for the the CHL, like the Quinton Musties, your Shane Wrights, your players like that? Uh, but we'll see. So uh, we'll get you out here with the blood questions, of course. I already asked you who you thought was going to be the best player in the draft. Uh, which guy in the top ten are you looking? Are we going to be looking back going five years from now, going, uh, how did that guy get up there? Ooh, it could be Archim Lavshinov. Um, mm. or Zane Parekh. I'll give you those two because both play a bit of an unrealistic game in terms of pro projection. Um, both love to just go play fifth, fourth forward. Um, for with Levshinov, he has the physical tools to play a good, strong defensive game, but sometimes is just not really involved in that side of the ice. I've seen a number of times where he gets beaten wide. And instead of trying to recover and get back, he points at his defensive partner and goes, oh, there's the guy with the puck. Like, go go play defense. Help me out, bro. Um, <laughs> and, and it's funny to see when you're watching, but at the end of the day, there's some defensive issues in terms of his quickness and agility and everything. Um, with Zane Parekh, man, that kid is putting up some points at the OHL level. If you watch his highlight reel, it's one of the most fun highlight reels in 
this year's draft class maybe maybe the most fun mm-hmm. with that said i've watched him go into a board battle and then there's that viral clip of william nylander in the playoffs a couple years ago i'm um, going in on the four check and instead of going for the puck he literally just stops up before the goal line and lets the the opposing team get the puck uh, that's a zane Parikh special baby like he loves to do that in the defensive zone and you just simply can't do that as a defenseman when you're going back to recover a puck. Uh, coaches love um, that. That's, that's Yeah. And I think that's the big issue is he lacks intensity defensively. He lacks kind of a willingness defensively. And he just doesn't play a physical game in any sense of the word. So the points are fun. The offensive scoring is insane. It's going to set a record this year. Um, first one since, I think, uh, what's, who's Vegas's coach there? Um, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I just uh, saw Vegas too. Oh regardless, gosh. he's going to be the first OHL defenseman to score 100 points and goodness knows how long. So yeah. the points are going to be outrageous. It's going to be super fun. But man, there's so much more to the game than just scoring points, especially as a defenseman. So I think one of those guys could go pretty high and a team might kind of go, what did we get ourselves into with this one? All right. Uh, I know we're... Almost at the end of February here, but uh, where does Z Buyum go in the draft? What pick? Where does Z Buyum go in the draft? I'll say 12th overall. Congratulations, Nashville. Uh, that means he'll be good because they just <laughs> pump out defensemen. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. So, uh, Tony, you've said it all. Uh, where can the people find you, buddy? Uh, you can find all my writing work at thehockeynews.com. Follow my Twitter at the Tony Ferrari for all of that. And all my videos, the game tape with Tony videos that I do where I interview prospects, break down some video with, with them um, of their own highlights and kind of dig into the that side of things, get to know them on and off the ice. That's all at Elite Prospects this year. I've got Caden Lindstrom and Berkeley Catton already out. Um, Liam Greentree is going to be out tomorrow, today or tomorrow, depending on when this posts. And Spoiler, then, uh, Greentree uh, profile coming next week, guys. Oh, so. it's a good one. He's <laughs> Tony, a we're player. like all this and we keep. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, he's a yeah. he's a fun player. He's definitely watch my game tape video and then come back and uh, listen to the profile on this podcast because Greentree is a very, very interesting player for this year's draft class. And, and I've got a Luke Misa one coming out next week, too. So uh, check that out as well. Uh, when's the Zibuya one drop? Because that's what, yeah, now the people want to know the Zibuya the, one. The one is pending. Uh, the University of Denver getting back to me. <laughs> I understand that one. So, uh, Tony, you've said it all. Uh, we'll chat again soon, buddy. Sounds good, buddy. Have a good one. I guess hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tony. Uh, Buyum. uh, I think. I think he could be the one, guys. I think he could be the one. Uh, again, if, if the Sharks get Celebrini and then they get Zeev Bouillon with the picks, the Penguins pick, um, that that's a home run. That's a home run. I don't care what else they do. Um, you're, well, I think, I think this is this is the guy right here. This is who we want. So uh, we'll continue doing our draft profiles. Uh, we have Green Tree next week. Uh, with our good friend Ben Jordan. Uh, so make sure you guys are following along for that. Um, we'll continue. We'll probably have more something new tomorrow. Uh, probably Prospect Reef. Maybe we'll do some trade deadline stuff. See what kind of, uh, what I feel like doing. So make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Lockdown Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter at my fry hole. Till next time. Bye, friends. <laughs>